No one's going to fact check us. <laughs> um, anyone listening, please fact check us. You're listening to Take Off to Travel, a weekly dive into the travels of your hosts, Colin and Olivia. We're going on a world trip for 13 months with just $25,000 each. Each week, you'll hear our tales, tips, and tricks as we explore the world. Hello and welcome to the 8th episode of Take Off to Travel. I'm your host, Olivia. And I'm Colin. And today we're going to talk about everything that we have done in Vietnam since our last episode. So... I think we left off the last episode when we came back from Hoi An. So why don't you tell us about what we did when we got back from Hoi An? I think that was the walking tour. Yeah, so we went on a walking tour similar to how we did in Thailand. In Thailand, it was walking to a bunch of temples and seeing the temples. Here in Vietnam, it was walking to the different tourist attractions and seeing them. So as we discussed last podcast, we went to the Reunification Palace uh, we went to the War Remnants Museum. We went, I always say it wrong, uh, the Boy Vien Walking Street, which is where all the bars and everything are. And it's so much crazier than what, what you were expecting. We saw the uh, Notre Dame. Uh, it was closed because of renovations, but we saw Notre Dame. Uh, we saw the post office, the, the courthouse is over there. We walked past the opera house and the Rex Hotel, which is where they did the five o'clock volleys during the war. Um, and it's also where all the reporters stayed during the war. We saw the town hall and there was also a, a for lack of a better words, a book street that we saw. So Olivia, why don't you tell us about your favorite part of the walking tour? Well, obviously, I loved the book street. Although I will say it's kind of disheartening to find a book street and then discover you can't read or even really look at any of the books because they're in a different language. But I was imagining myself as like a Vietnamese person who spoke Vietnamese. And it was so cool. Like there were all kinds of like cafes and bookshops just like all tucked together. Just tons of books just on these different displays out in the street it was completely closed to motor traffic and so it was all just like pedestrians walking down there were lots of trees and like plants and it was just a really cozy cute little street and it made me wish that we had something kind of like that at home what was your favorite thing we saw on the walking tour Uh, i think from history class it was cool seeing the rex hotel just because that's one of the big things i remember from the unit slash units on the Vietnam War. I really, I really just enjoyed walking around. It, it gave us a good idea of where everything is in the city. It gave us different areas of the city um, that we knew and we were able to kind of navigate from. That I don't know. For at least for me, it helped me feel a little bit better about being in such a large city. Yeah. For some context, we are staying in District One which is sort of like the downtown heart of Ho Chi Minh. And then there are other districts that go up to, I want to say maybe up to like 12. And the higher the number, generally speaking, the further out it is from the center. So District 1 is like the main touristy area. And by the time you get to probably District 6, 7, 8, that's a very local neighborhood. But this city is so massive that to get from District 1 to probably District 6 or 7 would take, I'm guessing, 45 minutes to an hour in the car. So it's huge. I have no way to verify that information you just said. Um... I'm pretty sure I'm right. Okay. Like, pretty sure. We'll go with it. No one's going to fact check us. 
<laughs> um, anyone listening, please fact check us. So what did you think about the Bouyvian Street? So we went during the we went to the Bouyvian Street uh, during the day, and then we also went to grab drinks at night because I wanted to experience what it was like. So during the day, it could have been any other street. I look around and I go, okay, there are a lot of bars in this area. I get it. But then going there at night, there is maybe 10 feet of room on each side where everyone is walking through. But that also means cars have to get through that area and motorbikes. There's such little space because the bars have taken up those space. They put all of their seats and tables and stuff outside of the bar. Um, there's also tables and seating inside the bar. There's not really a dance floor. It's it's much more of a, of a culture of let's sit down, let's drink, let's talk together while music's playing. But it's bar after bar after bar for a good half a mile at least. And it's just so many people trying to get through this area, go to bars to see it. There's there were the fire breathers were there, the little kids, but. We were walking through, and um, I think, I don't remember which one of us said this first, but I I very much agree with it, especially if I said it first. It's like taking the inside of Vegas clubs and putting it on the street. There were girls dancing on tables, scantily clad girls and guys, but mostly girls, dancing on tables to the music that specific DJ at that bar was playing. The drinks were expensive. It was also, for me, what I was struck by was the intensity of the lights and the sounds and just everything was ramped up to like a hundred. And honestly, for me, it was a bit overwhelming. It was like an assault on every single sense. It was like my, my eyes were overwhelmed. My ears were overwhelmed. My, my nose is overwhelmed. Like everything was just like so, so intense and loud. Colin liked it a lot more than I did. I think I was just it was a little too much for me, but it was really interesting to see it. I'm like, I'm glad I went. I just don't know that I could go again because it was so loud and so big and so in your face and so expensive. And I'm pretty sure it was it was buy one beer get two free. Is that how it worked, or was it buy two get one? Free? I think it was buy two get one, and those two were very overpriced. Yeah, so I ended up paying. Um, if you go to a restaurant like a like a street vendor slash restaurant the ones that are like they're they're out of a cart but they have a building um if you get a beer there it's probably like 20 to 25 to thirty thousand dong which is about a dollar to a dollar fifty right it it was like double the price at this place so when we say expensive the beers were 99 to 120 yeah so like three to five dollars yeah somewhere around there so in, in the grand scheme of things, still relatively cheap, but expensive for Vietnam. Another thing we went to during that day was the War Remnants Museum, um, which was, I don't want to say anti-American, but it was, it, was <laughs> it, it was pretty anti-American. You know, it's, it's their version of what happened. Um, I'm not saying it's untrue. It's just their side of the story, which was my first time experiencing something like that. It was a lot of our patriots strongly fought against the American aggression and and stuff like that, where, you know, I wasn't alive during the time, uh, and I'm not great on my history. I'm not exactly sure, you know, the specifics of what happened during that time, 
I'm sure we were also taught the American version of things, and so the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, so there was, it was a four-floor museum. One of the floors was very specifically about Agent, Agent Orange, all the, I think it was phosphorus, the, the poison that America dropped on a lot of Vietnam, um, and a lot of the leftovers of that, the generational damage that it's caused. There was a whole other thing about all of the prisons that the the side that America fought on had and how how they treated the Vietnam people and, and stuff like that. So, you know, it was dark. Um, it was interesting to see. They had pictures from, from photographers who, who died while they were covering the war. There were... Um, there was part of the place was about the their liberation from France because that happened roughly in that same time period, I believe. Again, not great on history, but I believe that they became independent from France and then the U.S. stepped in and said, hey, you should do democracy. But yeah, it was uh, it was very interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know what word. I don't think there's a single word to describe what that experience was. For me, I kept finding myself wishing that I remembered more history. Like, I wish that I had that history class where I learned about the Vietnam War more recently. Because there was a lot of stuff that we'd read about and I would, like, vaguely remember learning about. But I couldn't recall any of the details. And it made me wish that I had, like, read up before we went just to refresh my mind. So the next day, I think, was when you started getting sick. Yeah. I got, I'm, I'm just getting over my sickness and Olivia, if you heard last podcast, um, spoiler, we're kind of double recording because we've, we've, we have so much to talk about, but Olivia is just getting to her sickness. So this is like the first day it's really hitting her while I was sick. Olivia took some time and, and went to a bunch of the stuff we had planned on going to because I didn't want to leave bed. (laughs) So, uh, Tell me about uh, the things you did. So the first day that you were sick, I went to go get my teeth cleaned in the morning, which was super exciting. Cost me $12, which I constantly can't say I complain about. And then I went to the Ho Chi Minh Fine Art Museum, which was interesting because it was not like any other art museum I've ever been to where it's very gallery oriented. They were broken up into little rooms with individual exhibits. And when I say rooms, I don't mean a small room. I mean, it felt like someone's house, like really, really big house with all kinds of individual bedrooms that had been turned into a museum. And so like there would be like three or four paintings in a room and that's it. And then you'd go on to the next little bedroom and there'd be three or four paintings. And this building was so old and so beautiful that honestly, I almost feel like I enjoyed the building more than I enjoyed the art. And there was also a whole lot of art that was dedicated to the Vietnam American War, which makes sense. But it was just a lot of it was very gruesome art. And then I actually much preferred some of the sculptures and the older paintings because they were just less violent, I guess would be the word. But I very much was glad I went I don't know that I would say it's like a top thing that you have to do if you're in Ho Chi Minh City, but if you have the time, it was like a dollar to get in. And so it's definitely not expensive. 
Then the next day, I went to this place called the Cafe Apartments, which you may have actually heard of. Evidently, they're quite famous. But it's an old apartment building in the downtown area that has been converted into a bunch of cafes. And they're all very different. So you'll have some cafes that are restaurants and some that are shops and some that are coffee shops and some that are workspaces. And you really just have all kinds of different businesses. And so I went in on the ground floor and just worked my way up. I stopped at a donut shop, had a really huge, delicious donut. And then I had a sushi for lunch in one of like the middle level floors. And then I stopped for some coffee on one of the top floors. But every single cafe faces out into the downtown area. So the higher you go in the building, the better the view is. But it was really cool to just sort of stumble along because it really felt like an authentic old apartment building. And you couldn't always tell what the business was going to be from the inside. So it would say like the name and be like, this is the oops. And I'd be like, what is the oops? And so I would like have to open the door, go all the way down the long like entry entryway hallway thing into the actual business. And only then you could tell like, oh, it's a restaurant. Oh, it's a shop or whatever. You really had to just kind of go for it, even if you didn't know what was on the inside. But it was a really cool experience. And I definitely want to take Colin to show him all the different shops and stuff. Anyway, I really like the cafe apartments. I would definitely recommend it. So one of the things that we did after that, that we did together, we've been having a bunch of bon mis. And I think it's interesting how all of them are a little bit different. So let's maybe describe some of the more unique bonnies that we've had while being here in Vietnam. So while we were in Hoi An, we went to the, there's a place that Anthony Bourdain went to and really enjoyed it and has kind of endorsed this bon mi place. And there I had a chicken and cheese bon mi. And when I order chicken and cheese, I expect a chicken and cheese, not chicken and cream cheese. So that was that was an interesting one. Eating a banh mi with cream cheese in it was interesting. Uh, we we went to one here in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, right off the roundabout that's right by our apartment. This place had a line of maybe 10, 15 people, two separate lines they have set up, and both lines have about 10 or 15 people at all times. Um, so we were really expecting high things of this banh mi, and it had a lot of stuff in it, but I would say it was probably one of my least favorite ones that I've had. Yeah, it was just stuffed with different kinds of meat, and they didn't really have a whole lot of flavor. It was just a lot of food. So speaking of other interesting flavors of things that we've had here in Vietnam, we accidentally left our toothpaste in the hostel in Hoi An, and I just thought I would throw this out there that apparently in Vietnam, if you don't look closely at the flavor of toothpaste that you're buying, you may end up with a uniquely Vietnamese flavor such as green tea, which is not something that I ever thought that I would have regularly in my mouth as I brush my teeth every morning. It's really not that bad. I don't even taste the green tea. Oh my gosh, I taste the green tea so strongly. It's not my jam, but I'll deal with it. So maybe let's go into um, what happened yesterday. Or no, actually, what happened the day after the bread incident. Because I think that's where we have to start. Yeah, it definitely started. I do want to start this story with, it was the most Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th, that I think I've ever experienced. So we found the bread. Well, we got back from Hoi An 
that that night we you know fell asleep we got up and a lot of our food had been gone through yeah it looked like something had taken a big munch out of that bread and you know it could be mice could be rat could be could be cat could be really any animal that got up on our balcony so um not that big of a deal you know a little disappointing we go buy more bread we move all of the non-fridge food so any food that that would just be sitting out in the open gets moved inside we kind of have to rearrange our airbnb because there's not a lot of room so we we have to create more room for food that we weren't expecting to have inside and that next night we hear the little squeak 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 of of a mouse or a rat and it's outside of the apartment on the balcony you know where the food was it's obviously come back looking for more food. So we say, okay, we message the Airbnb host. We say, hey, there are mice or, or rats outside of um, the apartment on the balcony. Living in the kitchen, mind you, because our kitchen's outside. Yeah, living in the kitchen. So we message her. She says, okay, I will come check it out, see if it's a rat, see if it's a cat, that kind of stuff. She, she kind of leans, tries to get us to say it's a cat. Because, you know, she doesn't want to deal with rats as an Airbnb host. So she comes out and says, oh, yeah, it's it's mice or rats. I see the evidence of it. Says, okay, I will send someone the next day to fix it. That person doesn't come the next day. And we, we you know, we're gone for the day. We come back. And, you know, normal day, we're, we're kind of winding down. We've been playing a video game together at the end of the day. Just kind of, you know, have some some downtime in a, and it's such a chaotic city. So we, we will do that and we go to bed and at four o'clock in the morning, yesterday morning, Friday, the 13th, we're, <laughs> I am awoken, um, uh, by the sound of a empty can falling off the TV stand. I want to call it TV stand that has a bunch of cabinets, empty can falls off, hits the ground. Hmm. What could that be? Could could just be the air conditioner, you know, knocked knocked the can off. But I am fearing the worst. So I I hear it and I go, oh no, but I keep my head down. I go, okay, I'm gonna go back to sleep. And then I hear it. I hear the squeak, 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 but this time it is not outside. It is in our room. I sit up and I keep the lights off because Olivia's asleep and I really don't want it to be it. I really don't want it to be mice in our room. And and we don't know when they came in the room. They could have been walking over us as we slept. Ugh. I get up and I walk towards the door and I hear the pitter-patter of one mouse running away from me. And I go, oh no. And so I... I, I I kind of wake up and I and I take another step towards the door to open the door and then another pitter patter in a different direction. Uh, yeah, a second mouse running down off of where our food now was, down the stool onto the floor and dashing under under something. So I open the door to the balcony and we slowly make we make noise, we kind of clear areas of the house of the think, of the room i think we saw one run outside but we're not a hundred percent sure that it wasn't the one like it wasn't already outside like it could have been the, the two mice that were in the place 
were still in there and there was a third one outside. Could have been that one of the two made it outside. We don't know. Yes, yeah, so we never saw the mice leave, but we at a this is now four forty five. We're we're picking up stuff from the ground. We're making sure there's no mice in the in the apartment. I am <laughs> picking up stuff around the, around the house. Um, we're starting to pack up because you know, we're not staying there anymore. Um, it's not. I I don't think it's the the host's fault, but also we're not. We don't feel comfortable staying there. We're we're not going to stay in a place that has mice. So we start packing up, doing this whole thing, and it's five o'clock in the morning. Um, we message the the lady. She, of course, she doesn't respond for a while because she's asleep. Um, so we go to we go to Starbucks and kind of just wait out Until the morning. Wait out the response. Wait out the morning. We don't want to go back in there and spend any time in there. I just was I was feeling just like the creepy. I don't know how to describe it. Like the shivers on my body, almost like I had mice near me, even when I knew there wasn't there, and I just was not into it. So we are packed up. We we get the response. And to remind you earlier in the story, we did get the Airbnb lady to admit there were mice outside. So it is not a stretch to believe that the mice were inside. At least we think for her to believe that the mice got inside. So this is, it's now eight o'clock in the morning. We have a, an appointment at the U.S. Embassy to talk about visa stuff at one o'clock. So we, you know, finish packing up, put all of our stuff in a corner, book a new Airbnb, we request a refund, and we change our dates so that she can, you know, if she gets everything fixed, can rent the room back out. So, she, yeah, to someone else, she's not being hurt financially as minimal financial hurt to her as possible we are not trying to screw her over in any way um we're not writing a bad review um we're not saying her name here we're not like we're not i truly believe it's not her fault it just happened they they got into the house and i i do believe she would have fixed it in time like she would have fixed it at a point but they had already gotten in yeah I will also throw out that her solution when we first talked to her was to have us wait in that room for three more days until one of her other properties opened up and we could move in there, which frankly did not appeal to us. I don't have any desire to wake up to a scamper scamper of mice feet on the floor ever again. That was an experience that I will pass on. And well, to I be can... fair, you woke up to a babe. There's mice inside. That's true. <laughs> but I felt like we were being very respectful. Yeah. So we so we were packed up. We've wasted enough time. It's time to go to the U.S. Embassy. And we're going to the U.S. Embassy because we are dumb and we can't count. We, when we applied for the visas and when we booked our time here in Vietnam, well, really, when we booked our time here in Vietnam, we were told that you could get a one-month visa. We assumed that that meant up to 31 days because some months are 31 days. Well, that's not the case. They are 30-day visas, and we now need to extend our visa by one day so we can legally be here in Vietnam. We don't want to get in trouble with immigration. We're, we're trying our hardest to work with them. 
so we go to the embassy and ask for any advice that they have. We are very quickly shut down and say, no, they do not extend these visas, even though everywhere online that we've read previously to coming here says, hey, you can extend your visa once you're here. So the U.S. Embassy very quickly shuts us down and says, okay, you can try, but they're going to say no, and they send us to the immigration department. We then go to the immigration department, who the guy at the door, before we even get a number to to, to queue in line, is like, no, I'm not giving you a number. You're not getting you're not getting an extension. I sit there and argue with him for a minute, and I say, "Well, what are we supposed to do?" He says, "Fine." He hands us a number, and we just sit there. And we sit there, and I'm looking around, and everyone has all these documents and and all this stuff, and we're just sitting there, hoping to go up empty-handed and get an extension to our visa. Well, that's not going to happen, especially because of how direct everyone's been in saying no there's not much booger room from what i what what we can tell so we are walking home from the the immigration department it's like a 25 minute walk we are stressed out we are angry at the airbnb lady because she's fighting us on the refund we are angry that angry that there's mice we're angry that um everywhere online said that we would be able to extend our visa and now we cannot um we are angry at ourselves for for not double checking before we booked everything you know just a lot of stress you know a normal friday the 13th a lot of bad luck going around that day lots of bad preparation and bad luck uh which is you know bound to happen on on a on a trip around the world for 14 months we are still at this point have no idea what we're going to do that extra day um, we do know that there is a fine anywhere between $25 US per person and $80 US per person. And also, we could potentially not be allowed to ever come back to Vietnam. Which is unlikely. Which is very unlikely, but it also just depends on how the person is feeling that day, the immigration agent is feeling that day. We know we are going to be pulled aside when we get to the airport um, and, and be interviewed, um, or in- interrogated, I guess is the right word for that. So we're going to get to the airport like six hours early and hope at least six hours early and hope that that's enough time. I, I really feel like we're not the first people to have made this mistake, yeah. but I also don't think that just because it's a common mistake, they're going to go easy on us. Yeah. I think we're going to get questioned about why we did it and how, basically proving that we're leaving. And I just really hope that we get a kind immigration person who is understanding and I am totally willing to pay the fine because this is on us. But I just hope that we don't get screwed by a cranky someone who's having a bad day. Yeah. Um, uh, The other options we looked at were, you know, leaving to another country on a bus and then immediately coming back and, and applying for a new visa. Because while we were at the immigration department, we saw you could do, you could potentially do that. But that's also risky because you could get a cranky immigration officer coming back in and that person could say, well, you just left. You can't come back in. And then we'd really be screwed. Yeah. And also we were looking at flights to our next destination a day early. um, And they're relatively – we have a two-leg flight. And to get to the the next country where our layover is was relatively cheap. But we also have to – get housing there we have to eat food there so it ended up being about 
double or triple the price of what the fine will be. Even if we end up paying $88 each, which is like the astronomically high end of the spectrum, it would still be less than what we would have to pay to go somewhere else or to deal with the bus ride or anything else. So we are taking the chance. We've kind of accepted if they don't let us come back to Vietnam, we, we are enjoying our time here. But, you know, if one country out of the 200 and whatever countries in the world, we can always find somewhere else to go. We'll just be sad. Yeah, really we'll sad. be sad. Sad, but... I also just don't think it's likely. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah, we'll so um, when you go to Vietnam and you get a visa, um, it is 30 days, uh, not one month. So that is a lesson we've learned. Our parents that are listening, we're sorry. <laughs> uh, it was very poor planning on our end, but there's nothing we can do at this point. Yeah, no one will extend it, renew it. They'll, there's nothing really we can do. So, yeah, we're kind of stuck in a tough spot. Yeah, I guess. We're we're stuck between a rock and a hard place here and we are doing what we think is our best option. It's the best of the worst. Yeah. So then once we get back from the immigration office, we finished our packing up and took a grab to our new place which is a room in a house in District 3, but it's really only about 15 minutes walking away from our other place. And it is definitely a cute place, but it's also got some different pros and cons from the other one. Pro, no mice. Con, uh, no hot water. (laughs) Pro, it's clean. Con, bed is extremely hard. Like literally it feels like we're sleeping on a box spring. But I will say that the family that's living here has been super friendly and kind and really wonderful. And so we are definitely excited to be here, although I think we're both going to miss the hot water and the comfortable bed that we had in the mice-infested place. We spent a couple hours getting comfortable, and then we went to dinner, and then that was when they took an even further south turn, which is that our... The Airbnb host from the mouse place, which is how I'm going to describe it from now on, wanted to have a, not even a debate, but she wanted to discuss how much our refund should be for the mouse place. She wanted to give us about $55 less, which I know doesn't sound like a lot of money, but when you have to book an entirely new Airbnb, it's quite substantial. So she basically wanted to give us $201 because she was getting less money per night. And so we were like, okay, we get it. We don't want you to lose a bunch of money, but we also don't want to lose a bunch of money either. So how about we meet in the middle and you want to give us 201. We want 255. What if we do like 225? Because that's in the middle. No, no, no. She did not want to do that. And she had all kinds of complaints about how we were at fault. And let me just describe for you what these pictures were. We had moved a trash can out of the bathroom into the bedroom. Mind you, not trash on the floor, just the trash can, because Colin was sick and it was easier to put the trash can by the bed. She was like, oh my God, you moved a trash can. Then there were some clean dishes that were drying on the kitchen table that were not put away, clean, that were drying, that she was like, oh my God, you left dirty dishes. Then we didn't wash the sheets 
which I don't think is a normal thing for you to do in an Airbnb or a hotel or really anywhere that you stay, for that matter, because you pay a cleaning fee for someone to wash the sheets. So she sends a picture of, like, the bed that's unmade. I'm like, um, yes, that is correct. We did not wash the sheets. <laughs> but basically, she just wanted to fight about it. And we just tried to be nice. We were like, look, we're trying to work with you. We want to find a solution. We get that you don't want to lose money, blah, blah, blah. But she was just not having any of it. And so as of right now, we have still not received a refund. We're working with corporate Airbnb, not just the host, to try to get this figured out because we just don't think that we should be held liable for staying in a place that had mice. And I don't think that they do either. But it's just going to be an ongoing battle for the next couple days, I think. So anyway, as of right now, we are going to continue to work to try to get a refund. But it has turned into quite an adventure. And I will be honest, I am ready for this Airbnb thing to be over. At this point, we're almost debating being willing to take less money because we just don't have... A, like, we can't call Airbnb. We can't call the host. We can't make any phone calls. And so this is just becoming very mentally draining. But we will continue to fight it. We're hoping we can get as much of a refund as possible. So let's close with our expectations for Tet so that we don't end on a bad note. Tet is the Vietnamese Lunar New Year. And it's basically a six-day celebration here in Vietnam. It's got to be more than six days. I think it's six. Six or seven. It's like a week and a half. What do you imagine Tet will be like? Um, everything that we've heard from people say that the, the city shuts down and everyone leaves. And that's fine. Like, we're not sad about that. We, you know, we will have food. We'll be prepared in that aspect of it. When you kind of get like a private tour of the city and kind of walk around less people. We've heard that there are so few cars and mopeds that you can lay down on the street in the middle of the day and not worry about cars. So it's going to be very deserted, but we we do know that there are there are some places staying open during Tet as far as food and, and um, groceries and stuff. Uh, I'm very excited for all of the festivals and stuff before Tet starts. Um, there's a two to three day window of a lot of celebration. There's flower festivals. There's going to be fireworks. There's, I think a lot of people get off work during this time and, and it's 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 a very it's almost like another New Year's celebration. Yeah, I'm really excited to see all the decorations because as we have noticed around the city in the last few days, people are putting up these yellow carnations and they've got red flowers and obviously they've got like the lucky money and the red envelopes and it's just super colorful everywhere right now. And I'm really excited to see how that continues to grow the closer and closer we get to Tet. But I think that's going to be all for this episode. I think it might be kind of a long one, but we hope you enjoyed it and we will catch you next time. Thanks so much for listening.